Hello and welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Regan Larson. This is the third week, third episode of the Man in the Middle podcast. Uh, I think I start off every week thanking you guys for listening. And I can't say that that's going to change just because I am that grateful for every one of you tuning in. Uh, and it kind of just blows my mind that you guys even enjoy listening to me talk. So thank you for tuning in. And um, I've been so blessed by every one of you that has reached out just to provide some encouragement to me or like, hey, we can listen to the pod today. That That's just so cool. Uh, it, it gives me so much life and so much reassurance that this is something that I'm supposed to be doing. And the fact that you guys are even getting anything out of it or learning from it is, is so cool to me. And uh, it's it's growing me as well. Um, so thank you, but life is, life has been so cool lately. Life's been so good. Uh, God has been so good. I, uh, I thought I was going to have a lot of time on my hands and just have nothing to do once the season ended, but it's kind of been the opposite. Obviously I'm not as busy. I'm not traveling. Um, we're just having workouts right now, nothing crazy. Um, but I've still been busy, which like my dad says, busy is good. So I've been thankful to be busy. I've uh, been thankful to be able to do, be back doing more ministry stuff and doing this podcast and spending some time with people that I don't usually get to spend time with. Um, so that's been super cool for me. Um, last week, you got to sit down or I got to sit down with my brother Lucas and uh, talk about fearing the Lord. So that was awesome. Uh, Lucas, as I've talked about before, is such a role model to me and he's so wise and I think he provided a lot of good insight on that topic for us on the what, how, and why um, of fearing God. And me, me and him, we always have those super deep conversations, uh, but we just never have a microphone in front of us. So that was cool to do. I felt like uh, accumulation of everything. But this week, we're going to be talking about the heart of Christ, as you can see by the title. Uh, no brothers, no sisters, no cousins. Uh, I don't even have a sister. I don't know why I just said that, but except for Maddie, Maddie, Lucas's wife, Maddie Dunn. Well, Maddie Larson. Now she is, as I consider my sister. So she would kill me if I didn't say that. So she's not on the podcast today, but (laughs) nobody else. Just Regan, uh, a couple notes, a microphone and a cup of tea right here. So as I said, talking about the heart of Christ today, and this has just been something that's been heavy on my heart, uh, no pun intended. And I don't really know if anyone else feels this way, but I went through a time and still I fall into this trap. Uh, and many times I feel like I'm doing things for God, but not necessarily doing things with God. And this is a place in my walk that I've grown a lot in and, uh, starting to do things with God. But in order to do things with God, you have to understand who he is and the core of him. And when you do things for God, you tend to get worn out really quickly, which a couple months ago I did. And like all this ministry stuff just felt like a chore and reading my Bible felt like a chore, and even just praying felt like a chore, and that's not what it's supposed to be. So when you're trying to earn it and earn it, like this is not something that you can earn. Like He's already given it to you. Um, and there's two ways, really, to live the Christian life, and it's for the heart of Christ or from it, and for the love of God or from the love of God. And when you start to live from the heart of Christ and from the love of God, um, like you, you find the peace, joy, and uh, love that, that really he provides to us through his spirit. But you're, if you're just living for it, you're just going to continue to try to earn it, and you're going to get worn out. And that's not what it's supposed to be like because we're supposed to find rest in him. 
and uh, start to see God as the need and not for the need, because in him, we find everything that we do need. Um, so that is what I've been learning a lot of lately and been big on the heart and condition of our own heart. But then again, just truly trying to find and discover like what the heart of God really is, who he is at his core, his character, his deepest desire. Um, and he's such a great big God, right? And there's so much depth to who he is. So it's like, okay, why is he the way he is? What makes him him? What is his core? What, what does everything else about him stem from? Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if your view of God is anything other than a lovesick parent chasing after or chasing towards their son or daughter that has run away, then you have the wrong view because that, that is the prime, most clear example of who God is at his core, his heart for us. Um, so hopefully today and teaching and kind of explaining some of these things, you can view him in a new light and view him how he really feels about you. Um, recently, I just read this book called Gentle and Lowly by Dan Ortland, which Lucas actually recommended to me, of course. Um, so if you're looking for a book, I am now recommending this book to you. And it's by far my favorite book that I've read. And in this book, he attacks a lot of different ideas with the same theme of Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers. And he dives deep into this. And the theology is so rich and so good. And I've really just got so much out of it. And felt like I got to know Jesus better through this book. And this ultimately jump-started me into my own studying, which I really enjoyed uh, and pushed me and helped me see Jesus as he is meant to be seen and who he really is. Um, so what I'm sharing today is a combination of, of those things and help for you to now see Jesus in a new way and how he really feels about you. And again, I've said this before on other pods and already on this pod probably, but as I'm speaking on this, please know like this isn't something that I fully know or understand. Um, but I'm starting to grab a hold of and be able to walk and run this race with Jesus better. Um, so I'm learning with you guys, and I'm so thankful to be doing that. But yeah, so to start off, I want to look at a verse, um, well, a passage, a couple verses, really. Uh, Matthew 11:28 through 30. And this is the core, the basis of the whole study, the whole discussion, and the foundation of Dan Orland's book, Gentle and Lowly. And... In Matthew 11, this is the one and only time in the entire Bible where Jesus actually describes his own heart. He describes his very being, um, his deepest character, and his deepest desire. Um, and it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this verse has quickly, quickly become one of my favorite verses and something that I revert back to so often. Um, when I, man, like, bro, life just, life just beats you down. Sometimes you, you forget why you do things. You forget, um, who you are, uh, and you, you forget who Jesus is sometimes. Um, and this verse always reminds me of who Jesus is, um, what his deepest desire is. And in him, in his heart and his desire, my deepest desires and my deepest purposes are fulfilled in him and who he is. Um, and in biblical terms, the heart is the prime example of who we are. It is, it is what defines us. Um, so for us, this is probably going to sound something like, uh, corrupt and sinful or prideful and lustful and angry and jealous. <laughs> that is probably what describes us at our heart, um, because we are so sinful and, uh, 
in need of a savior. So Jesus being our savior, what describes his heart? Gentle and lowly. And this is so significant. Um, and Dan Nortland says this about the description of Jesus' heart, gentle and lowly. This shows that Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not, is never a pointed finger, but open arms. And I think the most prime, clear example of this is found in John 8, um, which is the woman caught in the act of adultery. And this is also one of my favorite passages and stories in the Bible. And if you're not familiar, basically, uh, the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, uh, how many of you know, uh, the most religious people are always going to find the most sinful person and make them feel uh, low and condemn them, right? But the Pharisees, uh, they find this woman in the, in the act of adultery and they bring her before Jesus and they're really just trying to get Jesus caught up. And they say, oh, Jesus, we found this woman in the act of adultery. By the law of Moses, it says that we should stone her. Like, what do you say, Jesus? What do you think we should do? And Jesus, as only, as only Jesus could do, uh, he kneels down in the dirt, in the sand. And the Bible says that he just starts like drawing in the dirt and <laughs> completely ignoring him. Uh, bro, Jesus, Jesus had to have like such a good sense of humor. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched The Chosen, but The Chosen does a good job of depicting this. Uh, and showing the humor of Jesus. And I can just see Jesus like drawing in the sand, like, dude, like I'm the son of God. Like I make the rules here. Like whatever you have to say, say it. And, uh, so anyways, after the Pharisees, they, they, they got on with their gibbering and jabbering and Jesus just looks up at them and he says, he who is without sin, be the one to cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, uh, the Pharisees and everyone that, that is gathered around, they start dropping their stones and they go away until it's Jesus it's, it's just Jesus and the woman sitting there. Um, and Jesus then looks, looks at the woman. He says, what happened? Like, where'd they go? <laughs> Did no one condemn you? And she goes, no, no one, Lord. And Jesus goes, well, neither do I condemn you. Like, go and sin no more. And I think this is just so beautiful um, because this is the same thing that, that Jesus does with us. Um, and he is our advocate. And he's never, he's never the one to point a finger. And even though he is the clean one, the only perfect being, completely holy and set apart he is the only person uh who has every right to point the finger right he's the only person that has every right to throw the stone and yet he never does he never has he never will and why because at his heart at his core he is lowly meaning he is easily accessible he is understanding he is gentle towards us and even though he does not know sin he is able to empathize empathize have uh, i don't know have more empathy i can't say the word but he he has more empathy on us because he does not have a corrupt mind or soul. He's able to feel things more, right? And we we often, I'm going to just try to like break this down uh, and hopefully I explain it well. So we often project ourselves and our own thoughts, feelings, opinions, and the way we react to things. And we project them onto Jesus and we project them onto God and think that he will be the same way that we are. And, and this really just skews our view. See, this whole life is, is a battle for your soul and your mind is a window to your soul. So whatever you put in your mind and you, you let enter your soul that is against the ways of Jesus, that is sinful, corrupt, it ultimately numbs you to the things in the ways of Jesus, right? So on the other hand, when you surrender yourself to Jesus, when you follow his ways, which by the way, are far greater than ours, uh, 
And in him, in his ways, uh, you find the most joy and uh, peace. But when we follow his ways, we become, and our heart becomes more sensitive um, to other people, to different things. uh, And we're able to build love and have compassion and empathy and grace um, in the way that we're supposed to, right? But with this being said, as I was talking about Jesus being a perfectly sinless man, he doesn't know any sin. Um, he's never allowed anything to corrupt his soul, right? Or his way of thinking. So the fact that he is sinless actually allows him to sympathize with us more, having more compassion, more empathy, more grace, more love, um, because he's able to feel those emotions uh, without any corruption, without anything hindering that, right? So revisiting the description of Jesus' heart, uh, Jesus says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light or his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yeah, it's, it's that way. Uh, he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, ultimately meaning that there is none. Like there, it's a, it's a non-burden. It's a non-yoke. And Ortland, he uses this analogy in his book of a helium balloon. And if you've ever had a helium balloon, uh, before you put the helium in it, if you just drop the balloon, it's just going to hit the ground, right? Hit the ground. And once you put the helium in the balloon, the balloon actually begins to fly or float. I don't really know if a balloon flies, but it begins to float, right? Uh, what well, can fly away. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but when I was little, my mom used to get me balloons at Harris Teeter. And I would just like walk outside and I would just like let it go and watch it fly up into the sky. So kind of pointless, but uh, we would say that I was letting my balloon go to Pepe uh, who passed away. But anyway, it's just kind of a sweet story and something that my mom and me got to share and my brothers. But so as you take this yoke upon yourself, it actually lifts our weight. It lifts our shame. It lifts our sin and guilt and it makes our load light. So again, because Jesus is a spotless lamb, completely sinless and set apart, it allows him it enables him to feel more compassion and empathy and forgiveness and love towards us because he doesn't have anything corrupting that like we do and we often think of jesus as okay being so holy and completely set apart man like i can't tell him about this sin and i did this last week i can't tell about that one (laughs) he already knows and two the very fact that he is blameless and sinless is the very reason that we are to come to him like he paid the price he lived One, he lived the life that we couldn't live. And then two, paid the price for our sin and took the burden upon himself. Like his very purpose of coming to earth was those two things, to live the life we couldn't live and then pay the price for our sin so that we may have a relationship with him. And we forget that, okay, though God, though Jesus is 100% God, he's also 100% man. And during his time on this earth, walking on this earth, He experienced the same temptations as we did and went through the same struggles as we did. And though he never fell into those things, never fell into sin, that makes him more understanding and able to have more empathy with us through those things. And I said this on on another podcast before, but he actually gets down in the dirt with us and meets us with open arms, meets us where we're at and walks with us and holds our hand through those things and not just pulling us out. But he walks with us through him and says, like, yo, bro, like, I got you. Like, I'm with you through this. I'm going to walk you through this. Um, and I just think that's so cool. And I'm so thankful for that. And just displays his heart for us and his love for us. Um, so as we're transitioning here, I want to t- 
talk about the heart of the Father as well, not to compare the two between the heart of Christ and the heart of the Father, but to actually conjoin the two and, and bring the two within union because they are the same. And before I, before I start doing this, I want to first give a intermission-ish because as I'm talking about all this, um, I don't want to neglect the just and wrathful and quote-unquote angry part of God because that too does exist. But it's not exactly what we think it is. And we often think of just wrath and anger as something bad uh, and something corrupted by sin. But I want us to see that because God is perfect in all of his ways, he's perfect in his love towards us, this actually allows him to be just as perfect in his anger and just. And because he loves us so much, he is angry towards other things that corrupts us like sin. Like he hates sin because he loves us so dearly. And because God loves perfectly and he is love, God is love. It is the very being of who he is. Everything is filtered out of love. So he can be angry and be wrathful and be just without sin corrupting those feelings or emotions. Unlike us, where we get angry or lash out at people out of spite in our heart for them. And God just isn't this way. He doesn't have anger stored up. Um, he is like a parent that has a child with a disease. The parent doesn't hate the child because the child has a disease. The parent hates the disease because they love the child so dearly. In the same way, God doesn't hate us because we have sin, but he hates sin because he loves us so dearly. So I wanted to give a preface and clear that up uh, in a way, and hopefully I explained that well so you can see the, the wrath and the angry and the justice of God um, in, in a new light. And <laughs> because, again, it's all filtered out of love and, and who he is and his heart. Um, as I mentioned before, transitioning into the heart of the Father, we tend to project our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions and our ways onto God, right? And we expect him to be the same way as us, react the same way that we would. But again, he is far from like us. And if God was like us, frankly, he, he wouldn't be God and he wouldn't be worthy to follow. But his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So to paint this picture, I want to look at two verses. Um, and <laughs> these two verses really tell us all we need to know about the heart of God. The first one is Micah 7.18. And honestly... I don't know if I've ever read the book of Micah before, um, but I was kind of just reading the other day and I found this verse um, and it just smacked me. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, Micah 7:18 says, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. See, we are people that we, we have to be provoked to love. We need a reason to love, right? So we think God is the same way. And we try to earn his love like a child trying to earn his way to stay in a family, right? Okay, so if a child is, it gets born into a family or they get born into a family and all of a sudden they fear getting kicked out of the family. So they start doing a bunch of chores and, I don't know, washing dishes, whatever. And the dad notices like, dude, you've never done this before. Like, what's up? Why are you acting so weird? And the child goes, well, I don't want to get kicked out of the family. And the dad responds, you're silly. Like, you did nothing to get into this family, so there's nothing you can do to get kicked out. And in the same way, there's nothing that we did to be bought by the blood of, of Jesus. It is just purely by his grace that we were bought. Um, so we can't get kicked out of it either. So we just need to rest in it and accept this free gift of salvation. So as soon as we start resting in this free gift of salvation, and start, we can start 
operating from it, right? We don't, we no longer operate for this free gift of salvation because it's free. It's a free gift. But, and who doesn't like free gifts, right? But we start operating from it and we experience all that there is to be experienced through Jesus and having the understanding that, dude, I didn't do anything to earn this, but because it's a free gift and it's the greatest thing I ever experienced, I laid down my life before you and surrendered you. And this is just the simple exchange of the gospel. Like, praise for our heaviness, joy for our mourning, beauty for our ashes. Pretty sure that's there's a, there's a song um, about that. But, like, that is that is the simple exchange of the gospel. And God, God, Jesus didn't save us halfway. Like, he met us where we're at. And when you understand how high Jesus was, you'll understand just how low he had to come to humble himself and meet us where we're at. Like he was seated at the right hand of God, but yet because he desired for us to know him so badly, like he already knew us, but he then humbled himself, came down to meet us where we're at in our dirt and took everything from us and gave us new life because we are his deepest desire. And this is his heart. And when we look at the verse in Micah, we see God's deepest delight is steadfast love. God delights in steadfast love, meaning this is what is most natural to him. This is his deepest desire. This is his initial reaction to things. To things. And this steadfast love and faithfulness is what is ready to gush forward. And I use this analogy of an air vent last time on the podcast. But if it's a cold winter day and you have your heat on, but you have your air vent closed, you're never going to feel that heat. You're just going to be sitting in your room shivering, right? The same way. Oh, sorry, hold on. But as soon as you open up your air vent, then this warmth and this this heat is ready to is flood forward, right? In the same way, if we have our heart vents <laughs> closed off to God, then this steadfast love and faithfulness can never get in. But as soon as we open our heart vents and accept this free gift of salvation and who he is and his saving grace, like that is what is ready to gush forward, the steadfast love and faithfulness that lasts forever. Um so the next verse I want to look at, and this is like the most clear example of, of God's heart is found in Exodus 34. And this is right after Moses had broken the first 10 commandments. Um, so he's going up to the mountain to talk to God again. And God reveals himself to Moses and presents himself to Moses. And this is what he says. This is God presenting himself to Moses. So God talking about himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression, transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father's of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Like, this is, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, like, this is just beautiful. This is the character of God, and he is gracious and merciful, just as Jesus is gentle and lowly. You see the comparison. Um, like, this is who God is, and he has steadfast love and faithfulness in keeping this steadfast love for the thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Like, God delights in this. He delights in us coming to him. Um to have this um, transaction, our sins for and our heaviness for for praise, for joy, for love, for for clean um, hearts, and this is just like who he is. And God sees us as his prized possession, right? We are his children, and he 
is he desperately wants us to know him just as he knows us. We are his beloved. And in return, like, we should do the same to him. We should hold him to the same, like, high place that he holds us. Like, he is the treasure in the field that is worthy of selling everything for, to buy the field so that we can obtain this treasure. He is our, he is our most prized possession. And because his love is so great for us, this isn't a pass to do whatever we want. Paul says in Romans, no, like that's foolish. You shouldn't continue in sin, but rather because we know such a love, there's nothing greater in this world than him. And in him, our deepest purposes and our deepest desires are fulfilled. Like he is it. God is the end all be all, alpha and omega. Um, and that's just like, I don't know, that's just so beautiful to me. Um, I kind of lost my, my, my train of thought there, but I guess I'm just going to wrap all this up. Um, and, and bring all this together. Hopefully I've painted a good picture and, and explained things well and not just <laughs> rambled on here. So if you find some clarity in my rambling, praise God. Um, but here's what I really want to end with um, is, look, we, we all sin and, and, and struggle and we, we fall short of the glory of God. And our sin is what separates us, right? And we separates us from God. And we tend to think that our brokenness is the thing that makes us not able to come to Jesus. Like I talked about before him being completely holy and set apart. Um, Oh, like I can't come to him, but this is the complete opposite. Like our burden, my burden, your burden, our sin is actually the very thing that qualifies us to come to Christ. Like because we're sinful, because we're broken, because we're not like we already are not worthy. Right. And because of those things, that is what qualifies us to come to him. That is what makes us able to come to him. Because if we were perfect, like we wouldn't need anybody, right? We wouldn't need a savior and we're not perfect. So we need Jesus. We're in desperate need of Jesus. And I feel like many of us, many of us, me included, um, we're, we're just like holding on to things that we're frankly just not meant to hold on to. And we're carrying burdens and hiding things that we're not meant to hide. And those places where you think Jesus will rebuke you for, or those, those dirtiest places that you, I don't know, you just think that. Are, are completely untouchable or untellable. I don't even know if that's a word, but untellable. Like those places are the very places that Jesus wants to dwell in most. Like that is his heart for us. Like those dirty places are where he wants to dwell in most and give you beauty for your ashes. And those darkest sins are the places that he is drawn to most so he can set us free in him. And it is ultimately be like, this depends on us, right? This like the heart then, like, Open your heart, Ben. He already knows the sin. He's just waiting on us and knocking on our on our door um, for us to open his heart, open our hearts to him so that his steadfast love and grace and faithfulness can rush forward and fill us. Like this is the the heart of Christ. Um, and I know I just went on a, a tangent for a while there, but like this is this is the heart of Jesus, this is the heart of our Savior, and what what a friend uh, we have in Jesus. And this isn't just someone that we're talking about, but it's actually somebody that we, we get to know and do life with and have a relationship with. And it's not about the X, Y, and Zs or earning it. Uh, this is just who he is and, and what he wants to give us. So I really just wanted to provide some encouragement this week um, and help you to see Jesus in a new light and for who he is and what he, what he really desires uh, of you and for you. Um, and, and just his heart, like he, he's a, he's a tender and, and loving and gentle father. 
um, and gentle friend, gentle savior um, that we're so unworthy of, but because we're unworthy, that's what qualifies us to come to him. So, man, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, It means so much to me. More podcasts to come, uh, so tune in. Follow maninthemiddle.podcast on Instagram. You guys are are so loved um, by not only me, but by the one that matters most in Jesus. Uh, I'm so thankful to be able to do this with you guys and walk this journey with you guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening to me talk. Like That's so surreal to me that you guys sit down and listen to me. Uh, And this is awesome. So thank you guys so much. I hope you have a good week. Uh, I'm out. Thank mm-hmm. you.